0: Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, this is your host, Natalina. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. Such an honor to have you here. I'm super excited today because we're going to be talking with Paul Zach, who is a scientist, an author, and a public speaker. He's going to be talking about neuroscience, human connection, human happiness, and effective teamwork. This is a, a topic that we haven't had yet here on the Rise of You podcast show, so really excited to talk with him about it. It's very, very fascinating. Paul has done a ton of research and is still doing research on neuroscience, on oxytocin, and how that correlates with trust, love, and morality amongst one another. Um, really, really fascinating conversation. I think you're definitely going to enjoy it. This can be utilized in the workforce, amongst your relationships, um, within romance. So Rise Up For You and enjoy this episode. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast. It really is such an honor to have you on the show. We always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guests. So can you tell us about yourself and what it is that you do?
1: I'm a very confused person Um, I'm confused by the humans and I uh, run a behavioral neuroscience lab at Claremont graduate university that tries to resolve my confusion Um, so maybe I'm a Martian because I don't really understand these creatures called humans so much so I run experiments measuring brain activity uh, particularly measuring brain activity while people make decisions and so I've been doing that for about 20 years and and um, have a group of faculty and graduate students that work with me to figure out why the humans are so fascinating.
0: And out of curiosity, how did you um, get to this place or get to this career? Was it something that you always had a fascination with, you know, with the human mind, or was it something that you kind of stumbled upon or fell into?
1: The latter, yeah, I asked backwards like everything, <laughs> um, but some, you know, some some formative events, Uh, When I was in high school, I worked at a ARCO station by the freeway in Santa Barbara, California. And let me tell you, if you spend a year at a gas station working at night, you see everything from the gangbangers and the alcoholics and the prostitutes. And you really get fascinated by human beings. Um, I ended up doing an undergraduate degree in in biology and and economics a PhD in economics and then postgraduate training in neuroscience and I had this idea that if I could really understand people's decisions, which is economics, and where they came from, which is neuroscience, then I'd really have some, some true insight into why people do what they do. Because people really can't tell you why they do what they do. Well, they'll make stuff up, but it doesn't really predict very well. So I helped start this field called neuroeconomics that does exactly what I said. And then we've now expanded it out to focus on uh, neuromanagement, neuromarketing. Um, I really want to use brain activity to help not only understand what people are doing, but improve the way people make decisions, the way organizations work, and the way societies work.
0: So how do we, I mean, this topic, I'm sure, I mean, you can talk about for weeks probably, and obviously, you know, you're very qualified with all of the research and the work that you've done how do we implement this in our lives? And I know that there's a number of ways we can do it, you know, through companies, organizations, leadership, love, connecting with others. And, and you talk a lot about, you have two incredible books that you've published. You talk about um, oxytocin and how this can kind of help in building relationships and trust and love um, with other humans. So uh, can you give us a little bit of feedback first on oxytocin, just for some of the listeners that may not be familiar with what that is and kind of how it works?
1: Sure. So oxytocin is a, a chemical made in the brain by all mammals, and classically it's associated with a contraction of the uterus during birth and with the milk let down for uh, breastfeeding and to release by both sexes during sex. So uh, if you think of those three activities, birth, breastfeeding, and sex, those are all way too messy to run in my lab. <laughs> and so based on research on animals, Um, It turns out the brain also makes oxytocin when we recognize someone who seems to be safe or familiar. And um, I was very fascinated with how decentralized many parts of our lives are as human beings. You know, we live in these big cities, but no one tells us where to go or what to do by and large. So I thought we have to have something in our heads that say, Neta's safe. She seems totally fine. And your assistant, Sandra, who emailed me, she's clearly a sketchy character. So, you know, how do I make that decision? Otherwise, we just can't live in big civilizations. It wouldn't be possible. Uh, I could only live around people that I, you know, knew or were related to. And, in fact, in biology and economics and lots of other fields, psychology, people really didn't know why we were nice to strangers. Um, So our lab was the first to show that oxytocin was also released when a stranger shows us, shows another human being, Tangibly, that they are safe or trustworthy. They signal that they want to play nice. Um, so, we spent, uh, my lab spent about 10 years uh, developing a protocol to measure acute oxytocin release in brains to uh, safely infuse synthetic oxytocin into human brains so we could really show that oxytocin directly increased our desire to reciprocate when people are nice to us. So, I think of oxytocin as the biological basis for the golden rule. If you're nice to me, in general, my brain makes oxytocin and it motivates me to be nice to you. And there's, and there's lots of value in that. And nice may mean here cooperation or trustworthy. You can fill in the blanks. It does all those things. And in fact, it does that by increasing our sense of empathy. So when I, my brain makes oxytocin, I'm better able to understand what you want to do, how you're feeling because I'm able to be more empathic when oxytocin is in my brain. Um. So this is a really useful technology that nature has given us to help us um, work with the other humans around us. It makes us more sensitive to their needs. It makes us better cooperators. Reduces our physiologic stress. Um, but of course, the thing I said earlier, the usually is where the rubber hits the road. So we spent a lot of time working on factors that inhibit or promote oxytocin release, and um, and and then back to the books. Um, companies started coming to my lab saying, "Hey, we think that cooperative behavior, trust, um, uh, you know, being um, um, working towards the goals of an organization are very important to us. Can you tell us how we can increase trust in our organization?" And because I'm a super nerd, my first answer was, "Oh, I have this assay, and I can take blood from your employees and and <laughs> measure their oxytocin, and you know, their faces would turn white." And they said, "Oh, no, no, no you can't do that. Are there some general principles?" And I really didn't have those general principles. So we spent another eight years measuring brain activity while people worked and actually taking blood at some organizations. we very nice. Let's do that with their employees. And, um, and we're able to identify uh, how to measure organizational trust using a survey instead of blood draws, what the building blocks of trust are within an organization, and importantly, how to apply that to create an environment in which people are giving high degrees of discretionary effort because they care about the people they work with and they are engaged heavily by the mission of that organization. And that mission really is how it improves people's lives at its core. And so um, my, my recent book called Trust Factor, The Science of Creating High-Performance Companies, takes that knowledge and the, the many, many field studies we've done, and done in businesses and creates sort of a, a recipe or a, a framework that leaders of organizations can use to measure and manage their cultures for high trust, high engagement, and high performance.
0: So, with all of your research, and, and I know there's probably uh, not a short answer to this, but you know, is it possible to kind of manipulate the flow of oxytocin in ourselves to create that trust and love, um, you know, amongst each other and building those relationships? Or or what are some ways, I guess, that we can activate the oxytocin besides, you know, sex, breastfeeding, and, uh, and giving birth? <laughs> you know, uh, can, can we manipulate that within ourselves? And what does that look like?
1: Great question, Ada. So I call that a brain hack. So I think if I really understand the system, I should tell you how to hack people's brains. So that's what we've done uh, with this work is identify the the ways we can organize ourselves so that we are um, inducing each other's brains to make oxytocin and getting that benefit, which is greater engagement with the people around us, um, uh, better innovation, uh, less physiologic stress. And so there's a bunch of ways to do that that we found um, and what's interesting, uh, I think, from maybe listener's perspective, is that in every experiment we've run measuring oxytocin in the last 15 years, on average, women release more oxytocin than men do, mm. and they're subsequently more empathic, more generous, and more trustworthy. So it does suggest from a leadership perspective that women have an advantage, um, kind of a natural advantage in which they are able to uh, build these ties more effectively. Um, so anyway, there's there's probably a couple dozen ways we found in experiments to raise oxytocin. I'll give you one that's really simple and actually is one of my favorites because it's so easy to do. So, you know, when you come into work, you say, oh, hi, Sandra, how are you? Oh, good, Nate, I'm good. And then we walk on. So just slow down that interaction. So next time you walk in work, you say, hi, Bob. And instead of saying, how are you? Say, so just identify the the emotion you see on Bob's face. So you look tired, sad, happy, worried, anxious, um, and now we have a whole different conversation with Bob, right? So Bob says, "Oh yeah, I am really tired because my kid had the flu this weekend. I was up and didn't sleep a lot." So if I'm a if I'm a colleague, then I can say, "Well, gosh, you know, is there is there something I can help you with at work? So maybe you can work a half day and go home and get some sleep," or if I'm um, Bob's supervisor, I could say look, do you need to be here today? Is your team working effectively? Uh, you know, is, is, are your uh, projects that you're working on covered? Are your sales calls? Can someone else do them? Um, so we can really focus on building these connections. And So what we know from, you know, the science my lab and, and other labs have done is that social relationships are an evolutionarily old adaptation of human beings. So we, our brains are literally designed to connect to other people And somehow we think at work that we shouldn't be nice to people or we shouldn't be uh, kind. We shouldn't, you know, it's all about some kind of weird fear-based overhang from, um, I don't know, the 18th century when we were whipping slaves to work harder in factories. I don't don't even know where that came from. But um, in the world in which we live in now, in which we all see each other all the time, I think it's very important to understand that we have long memories and the best way to get the best out of people is to treat them with respect, to trust them, certainly to hold them accountable, but also show a deep uh, connection and affection for the people around us. That's what our brains love. That's what we want. And, you know, something as simple as saying thank you. So in, in my group, in our weekly all-hands meeting, we start out by having what we call gratitudes. So before we start the meeting, just tell me the last week, you know, who around the table helped you and, and tell us what they did And let's be grateful for the people who are putting in so much effort to help us be effective in a workplace, to make the workplace pleasant and fun to be at, and to serve our clients' needs.
0: Do you find that, um, you know, specifically with the idea of neuroscience and oxytocin, that... Um, there's different things that occur depending on the relationship. For example, maybe a love relationship, uh, you know, romance, or work relationships, or friendships. Do you find that there's slight differences in, in uh, how it's released in the relationship, or for the most part, is the foundation the same?
1: Great neuroscience question. So that's a really deep question. So let me try to answer it in, in 90 seconds or less. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so the brain is, is a learning organ. And so part of the reason, you know, for the book I wrote was to understand that when we create this, this environment at home, at work, wherever we are, in which we are connecting to other people more effectively, it trains us, it biases our brains to release more oxytocin when we're in those situations. And so that, that um, what we call plasticity of the brain means that we can be better connectors even throughout old age. So we've looked at whether people who are really old, you know, 80, 90 years old, release oxytocin and they release actually on average more than younger people do. So we can get better and better at connecting to the people around us and get the benefits of having stronger social relationships, work relationships, romantic relationships. But it takes practice. So to train your brain to be a better connector um, you've got to put these things into practice. You've got to focus on connecting to people, practicing kindness, being compassionate, saying please and thank you. We've shown that touch releases oxytocin, so hugging people. i um, sort of famous because I don't shake hands with anybody. I hug everybody I meet mean, even for the first time because it's a brain hack. That's a way for, for me to induce their brains to release oxytocin. and All of a sudden, we can accelerate whatever we're meeting about much more rapidly because now our brains say, "Hey, this person in front of me is safe. It's someone I want to connect to." Um, so I really think you know, focusing on social relationships as the foundation for health and happiness and productivity is the key. There's just so much leverage there that's being missed by not saying please and thank you, by not treating people as full human beings. So I think that's you know that's the takeaway: is that it's part of our human nature. We say we don't care what other people think about us, but you know we really do and so let's just embrace that so here's here's the the personal example sorry i'm over 90 seconds but i'm a huge introvert so i'd love to be in my lab and and you know not talk to anybody for three hours working on something and um i really did this work and i discovered look i got to put my own research into practice so i began focusing more on building relationships with people around me and i turned 50 recently i had three surprise birthday parties on the day of my 50th birthday which I'd never had in my life before. So, um, you know, if I can do it, super nerd, everyone who's listening can do it as well.
0: Okay, so I have a really um, interesting, fascinating question. It just popped into my head when you were speaking. Where do you see this going with the heavy use of social media, for example, text messaging and um, using online as a platform to connect and communicate? Is it still possible to kind of release that oxytocin through these new um, you know, technology devices that we have, or is that interrupting that
1: pattern? Another great question, And the answer is yes and no. So we've run experiments. We had people use social media uh, of various types, from Skype to Twitter to email. And it turns out that all of those things induce the brain to make oxytocin. Mm. So, in effect, oxytocin is a graded response. So, when my, I have two little daughters, when my daughters, well, not so little teenagers, when my daughters, you know, run up to me if I've been out of town for a week, I release a lot more oxytocin than if I see, generally, one of my one of my colleagues from work or one of my students. Um, so the, the brain's telling me about the strength of that relationship, so we can actually measure that in couples, we can measure that at work, um, the strength of the relationships by the amount of oxytocin released. Um, having said that, um, uh social media takes out a lot of the cues the brain uses to induce the brain to make oxytocin. So for listeners who uh, work in businesses, it means that social media does not replace, you know, video conferencing is not going to replace in-person meetings. The in-person meetings have a much bigger bandwidth of information that, that uh, we don't get in social media. Uh, things like body language and posture and Uh, smell and all these things that activate the brain so um but having said that connection is connection from the brain's perspective so any connections better than no connection and i think more connection with social media is um helping us build these connections in the brain that allow us to be better connectors outside of social media in real life
0: wow Paul, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and really just pick your brain. Such a fascinating subject that really is needed, you know, especially with, you know, today and, and really diving into emotional intelligence and positive psychology and ways that we can, uh, you know, build relationships with others. I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us?
1: Gosh, there have been so many. Um, uh Amazing. Um, I'll focus on. I think of these. This, this is a great question. You know, books in in you know philosophy, books in uh, um, psychology, neuroscience. But I think uh, most listeners listeners probably are are working. And among the books that I really thought in in management had a huge impact on me was a ten year old book called The Experience Economy, about um, how to create extraordinary experiences. Uh, at work and, and for, for colleagues and for clients. And it really uses the, the notion of um, uh, how plays are put on, right? You don't go to a play and the actors go, well, you know, we're sort of thinking about how to, how to interact with you guys in the audience. They are rehearsed. They are rehearsed with a, with a clear goal of creating an enormously powerful experience for audience members. And I think if we think about that, uh, we do the same thing at work. And from a brain perspective, our brains want that personal connection. They want that extraordinary experience. So, yeah, the experience economy is actually one of my favorites.
0: And what's one value that you have stuck with throughout your journey that you weren't willing to compromise?
1: Well, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's integrity. Um, you know, there's there's lots of ways to cheat the system, but... Um, I think, particularly in today's world, where information is so easy to find, you always get found out, number one. And, you know, I want to sleep well at night. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm allergic to, uh, to crap. I just hate sloppiness and crappiness. So um, I want to hold myself to the highest standard, and then I can demand that from the people around me.
0: If you only had one final message to say to the world, we call it the golden nugget here at Rise Up For You, what would that golden nugget be?
1: Oh, another great question. So I, when I turned 50, as I mentioned, I thought of this a lot. And I think um, my goal in life is that for every interaction I have with someone, I increase the amount of love in the world. So I call this my love plus goal. I want to have every action be love plus, right? So again, that could be love in the philia sense where I'm, I'm you know, helping you as a friend it Could be romantic love. It could be, uh, you know, love for my children, but I think about every interaction as when you leave that interaction, you, you, the person I'm interacting with, you should feel like you've got something positive out of that. And I think that's a, it's a very simple goal, but actually sometimes hard to accomplish, particularly with people who are difficult. But I think that's the thing. We're, we're, our, our brains are built to connect. They're built to love other people. Let's just embrace that and try to increase the love in the world.
0: As you know, we are, you know, Rise Up For You. That's the company, and that's the podcast that we host. What does that phrase mean to you when you hear it? Rise Up For You.
1: I think it really, for me, means um, putting yourself first, you know, doing what's important for you. You can't do that by yourself, it means you have to bring others with you, but um, to empower those um, individuals listening to be their best selves and to bring others along to help themselves be the best. Um, I think it's a very powerful message. So I'm glad you're out there um, spreading that message.
0: Thank you. It's been such an honor again, Paul, to have you on the show and uh, very knowledgeable and very fascinating as well. How do we stay connected to you and how do we support you? I know you just wrote, um, you recently just published another book. So I'd love to please share that with our audience and let us uh, learn a little bit more about you.
1: Sure. Uh, You can find out more about me at pauljzak.com uh, from there has links to my academic lab and uh, started a couple of companies that do this work um, the new book is called Trust Factor The Science of Creating High Performance Companies and you can find that at Amazon or wherever you shop and um, reach out I'm, I'm always interested in hearing from people so uh, if they're listeners who have uh, interesting questions or ideas you can google me find me Connect to me any way you like.
0: Thank you again for joining us.
1: And it was so much fun, and uh, I want to continue to be of service to you. So uh, you tell me how I can support you, and uh, we'll do that.
0: Thank you. Thank you again for joining the Rise of You Podcast. Again, this is your host, Natalina. We want to make sure that outside of the podcast, you're still growing and always getting continuous knowledge and our six pillars. So we want to make sure that you head over to our website, www.riseupfew.com, and take full advantage of the free resources and the benefits that we have there. We have articles and contributors from around the world. We have a number of other podcast episodes, webinars, and a ton of tools and strategies and tips that are going to help you rise up to the next step professionally and personally. You can find us on every social media avenue. We're on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Rise Up For You. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Everything is at Rise Up For You, and we would love for you to join us. And definitely, you're going to want to head over to our website, www.riseupforyou.com. And get your free startup kit. We have compiled the top podcast interviews, the top webinars, and the top articles that fall in our six pillars, plus a free startup guide, the six pillars to a prosperous life that's going to help you take that first step to really finding and building the life that you want professionally and personally. So again, if you head over to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you get access to that startup kit for free. And don't forget to share our main mission is to empower educate and connect women globally and we need your help to do that so please help us spread the word spread the message share our content share what rise up for you is about and help us help you and other women around the world thank you again for joining us rise up for you be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow